0: So, you know, I I really had this mentality that I wouldn't be talking to strangers, I'd be avoiding people and I'd be fending for myself, and this random acts of kindness just happened and of course when it happened it renewed my faith and hope in humanity and I realized that oh okay, my idea of the world and of people was wrong all this time and that people are kind and they are good and I don't
1: have to feel alone. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 28 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. The Joyride shares bike love stories from all kinds of women who ride, because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives, our communities, and the world at large. And I think the more gals who ride bikes, the better off we all are. Listen, friends, I'm super stoked about this episode of the Joyride. And I know I say that in the intro to just about every show, but that's because it's true. I've had 27 awesome co-hosts, and now this is the first time we have a returning guest. Our favorite long-distance cycling, violin playing Vagabond and Dog Mom, friend of the show Jasmine Reese is back. We first met Jasmine back on episode number four of the Joyride, and that was a vintage launch week episode. Since then, a whole lot has happened. Jasmine has pedaled more than 14,000 miles across North America with her lovely fur baby and best friend Fiji, and met countless kind souls and fiddle strings along the way. On this episode, we talk about barter culture and the kindness of others, her road school of music, why she's transitioning to a recumbent trike and plans for Jasmine and Fiji's next epic adventure. Jasmine was a guest on the Pedal Shift Project by Tim Mooney and was recently featured in a video by Humankind, a USA Today channel. That video has gone viral, and frankly, that's awesome, because the world needs to know about what Jasmine's doing. You can find that video and a link to everything we discuss in the show notes at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride028, or as technology would have it, you could probably just tap on the album art for this show on your mobile device and the notes will pop up if I did everything right. Okay, I don't want to take up too much time here because we have got a whole lot of show to get through, folks, and I do have a few newsy items before we jump in. First, it's June and in Portland where every month is bike month, June is something special because of Pedal Palooza. Pedal Palooza is a month-long celebration where community members organize different themed rides. I went to the kickoff ride this year and I was so glad that I did. I ran into a gal who came on the bike camping trip that I co-hosted with friend of the show Molly Futterman last year. We had a great time rolling around Portland, including taking the lane on a few bridges with a few hundred new friends. Uh, yes. There were one or two disgruntled motorists, and I did feel very bad for them. The traffic here sucks already anyway. Then you add in all the extra riders when the sun comes out, and then a whole calendar of bikey events all month. And, well, might I suggest cycling? Anyway, joyriders, link to the show notes for the full list of Pedalpalooza events. If you're not in the Portland area... Maybe you'll find one of these events, uh, one of these themed rides inspirational and you can organize something cool in your own town. I'm gonna be attending the Bike Camping 101 ride on June 12th, Um, so say hi if you see me. Smiley face. If you're listening to this within a few weeks of the release, uh, June 2017, there is still time to get in on the Women Bike PDX Bike Camping for Beginners trip that I'm leading at the end of this month. It's happening Solstice Weekend. It's for women and women-identified folks. Again, hosted by me, yours truly. It's a 24-mile, pretty casual ride, suitable for any skill level. We're asking $10 to $15 sliding scale, which includes camping, firewood, two meals, and a whole lot of good company. We're having an info session on June 13th at the Street Trust, formerly known as BTA, uh, on Northwest Gleason here in Portland. Email me at thejoyridepodcast at gmail.com for details, or go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly forward slash June Bike Camping to register. It's going to be rad. Speaking of rad, you might recall when Aqua W and I were having coffee outside a few shows back on episode number 24 I mentioned that the Veni Vidi Velo uh, bike glamping weekend was not happening this year, but I am so pleased to report that that is no longer true. Veni Vidi Velo, or V3, as I will forever now refer to it because I trip over it constantly. V3 is happening. It's going to be the first weekend in August. It is for women, trans, femme identified folks Uh, it's a bike glamping weekend in the portland nearby the portland area i'm not going to be there this year unfortunately but i do think you should go and you should have a fantastic time link in the show notes okay joyriders we got to get the show on the road or the the trail or the single track or (laughs) okay anyway without further ado we've got a whole lot of show uh and a whole lot of catching up to do with our favorite uh long distance cycling violin playing vagabond dog mom jasmine reese so let's find out what she's been up to jasmine reese welcome to the joyride hi hey how's it going i'm
0: good i'm, I'm sorry i probably that was really high-pitched wasn't it that,
1: <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, got everybody's attention which is awesome uh so jasmine do you have any idea how many miles you've traveled by bike since you and i last uh- spoke
0: you know i I don't keep track of mileage simply because one when I'm bicycling uh it's not it's not important to me how far I'm going it's more important to me about the connections I'm making the things I'm seeing you know stopping and smelling the flowers. But if I had to estimate based on, you know, Google maps or something like that, you know, uh, I've gone across Canada, across the U S down the East coast. Uh, I did Indiana, Indianapolis to, uh, uh, Austin, Texas. So I would say it's about 14,000 miles so far in North America. Oh, holy
1: crap. 14,000 miles in North America, you know, yeah. was, and, uh, I just think that this is it's just so amazing because we didn't talk that long ago um by in the calendar time of in the calendar way of life but you have done so much and uh I don't know even where to start. I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> where where would you characterize um how would you characterize this this uh crazy trip that you've been on since we last spoke 12 14 months ago now.
0: Oh goodness. I don't even, I mean, there's so many facets to it that it's hard to use, you know, one word, two words. I don't think you can even use 10 words to describe everything that has happened in the last year. Uh, and not counting the six months that I did crossing the U S in 2013. I think it's just so all encompassing that it's hard to, to characterize it. But, but I'll say, um, you know, the the typical words is it's been adventurous. It's been what um, oh, I guess it, it has been full of challenges. So it's been challenging. Um, it's been mostly good with a little bit of bad mixed in. Um, and I mean, that, I, really, that's about it. It's been everything I expected it to be. I I don't think I had any major surprises on, on my tour either. I don't think anything happened to me that I didn't think, Oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. So, um, you know, at this point now that I've become more experienced as a, a tourist and a nomad, I should say, um, I, I kind of knew what to expect and, and, and it, it happened. And so I'm, I'm happy to say that that has, uh, been fulfilled, <laughs>
1: I know. I'm like, I'm asking the question and it's immediately so big that I don't even know how to ask it because that's how big that question is. So, um, so we're going to link up some different resources, et cetera, in the show notes. But one of those things is going to be your interview on the pedal shift project with Tim Mooney, um, back in mm-hmm. February of this year, February of 17, in that you described yourself as a long distance cycling violin playing vagabond yeah so what a great what a great description tell um i am so fascinated by all of the cool stuff that you've done and the cool music that you've made um, and all of these connections with different people um what would you say has been some of your if you could, uh, just whatever pops up to you. It may not even be the most memorable things ever, but some of the more memorable experiences and people that you met um, in terms of like on the positive side of things.
0: Um, you know, I I don't know why, but the first thing that always pops into my head about touring are the critters that I run into. Uh, for example, mosquitoes, uh, and uh, let's see, mosquitoes and the tarantulas, and, and you know, I mean, just just oh, and the biting flies. Oh, but sell it, those.
1: sell it, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> see, Have I, I told you those. about the biting flies? <laughs> <laughs>
0: The biting flies. I, you know, I don't, I don't see those as negative experiences. I think of those. I I don't think anything negative that's happened on my, you know, my journey thus far has been really negative. It's been something that I look back at at and I go, oh my gosh, that was fun. It was adventurous. I can't believe I made it through that sort of deal. And then, uh, you know, and then second on this particular you know trek so far around north america it's been so wonderful to realize my dream to meet with musicians learn from them and to be able to play with such talented people you know i i'm still going through a phase in my own musical education where i i feel inferior to to people who are who have made it, you know? And so to have, to be in the presence of these people who have made it as musicians and to be able to play with them and for them has been so exciting. And to do it in in a capacity that doesn't cost me hundreds or thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these musicians who have made it are letting me, you know, barter sometimes in exchange for lessons, or they're just offering it completely free and allowing me to be in their presence and to learn from them them without, you know, doing anything is just mind blowing. And it's, 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 it's another, uh, aspect of the kindness that I've received on the the road. So, so to be able to realize my dreams without, you know, having to, uh, to without those barriers that many people, when trying to accomplish a musical dream or any type of dream, um, have to go through, without having those barriers and having people who are supporting me and, and allowing me to learn from them. That's, I, I, I I don't know. I guess that's probably been the, the most memorable over the last year.
1: Yeah. It's like the bike is really facilitating your musical education in this way.
0: Exactly. And I, you know, I call it my road school of music now because I didn't get to go to music school. One, financially, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Two, I didn't have the confidence to go to music school. I thought, once again, that I wasn't good enough. I started at violin at 14. And so I thought I was late to the game. Um, Although I, you know, I was in denial. I was like, no, no, it's never too late. And I still think it's never too late. But I think there was a period where inwardly i was still doubting myself you know i i'm i started at 14 and some people started at 4 so that means they have 10 years on me and here i am trying to get to their level in 4 years time for college you know and um and so so i always have this lingering doubt inside of me that i'm not going to be good enough i'm not going to to do anything and And now bicycling has changed all of that. And it's amazing that it's just been a bicycle, (laughs) you know, this mode of transportation bringing me to these amazing opportunities where I can challenge my own ideas about myself and, and the ideas that many people have about themselves. So.
1: Um, tell me a little bit. I I I just like oh so good. Um, I like it's just so fantastic. It kind of in some ways epitomizes every aspect of like what I feel like the joyride in some ways is about. You know what I mean? Like it's not it like the bike is one thing, but it's about um what it helps us to create. You know, like inward, inside, and and uh, you know throughout the world because I know that the people that you met have been touched by your presence, you know? So it's really cool. I hope to...
0: so. I hope that, you know, because it seems like I'm benefiting so much and I, I hope that I can give back something. And, and I, and if, if you say it's just my presence that gives them back something, then that makes <laughs> be happy too. But, you know, I, you know, I'm also always working, trying to think, oh, how can I give back? How can I, how can I pay forward all oh, yeah. this amazing kindness that I'm receiving? So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, like, don't get it twisted. You've been, like, you've been bartering and working, the, you know, this whole way. It's not like you've been... um you know, just ha- looking mooching
0: the establishment, yeah,
1: like looking for handouts or anything. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you know, I think that's that. I think that's interesting too that you mentioned that because uh, USA Today just released a really nice video on everything, and you know, a couple of people commented because they were saying that it was my mission to experience the random acts of kindness from strangers, and and while that's true, people did give me, you know, it's I can't. You know I can't say that I made it this far on my own steam. I have made it this far because people have been so amazing, and the fact that people took us into their homes, invited us to have a nice meal and a warm shower that's all so beautiful um but it it wasn't my intention to just live off the kindness of strangers when I initially left. I thought like anyone else does that I was going to have to fend for myself and that I would have to be camping and stealth camping, trying to find places to sleep every night and, and that Fiji and I would just be on our own own. And I even, I remember researching articles on dumpster diving in the worst case scenario where I ran out of food for myself, I would never run out of food from Fiji. She gets fed before I do. But in the worst case scenario for myself, I remember looking up articles on dumpster diving and how do you find free food at farms? Where do they keep their waste, farm waste, things like that? So, you know, I I really had this mentality that I wouldn't be talking to strangers I'd be avoiding people and I'd be fending for myself and this random acts of kindness just happened and and um and of course when it happened it renewed my faith and hope in humanity and I realized that oh okay my idea of the world and of people was wrong all this time and that people are kind and they are good and I don't have to feel alone So that so that's you know, that was that was good that I didn't have to feel alone. So so I think um, what people need to understand is that I still fight with with that idea um, that I'm not expecting kindness from strangers i'm not expecting people to take me in it just happens because that's how people are people are wanting to help you they are wanting to support you and and that's a beautiful thing but at the same time i still have to also have backup plans and make sure that i'm able to secure you know, to take care of myself, basically, in the event someone isn't around. What if I'm in a, a secluded area and there are no people, or you know, whatever the case may be? So I still have to make money. I I stop for odd jobs. I barter and I use resources such as Help Exchange and work away in order to you know sort out accommodations when I can't find those you know people to take me in. So it's it, you know, it's all it's all a balance. <laughs>
1: Do you have a couple like top memories that pop out for you in terms of um, receiving kindness from folks where you were truly surprised by it or or whatever?
0: Um. Well, um, there's there's like I said, there's so many um, uh, there's it's happened to put it in 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 words for you i i've been on the road cumulatively for one year six months so six months for the u.s trip across the united states in 2013 and one year and some months now for for this bicycling around the world so out of those two trips i've only had to camp seven nights that means that means every night almost every night for a year and six months Someone, some person, some random person on the street, or via WarmShowers.org, which warm, believe it or not, I only use Warm Showers maybe twenty percent of the time. So most of those were just random strangers I met on the street who took me into their homes. So to try and pick out a couple of <laughs> moments, is, I, <laughs> know really-
1: I know it, I know it. Just give me. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, you told uh, you told Tim a story. Um, about the kindness of strangers, uh, just being thirsty and asking a, a woman for, you know, she, who was gardening for a, a drink oh, yeah, from yeah, a that gardening was my first
0: Yeah, that was my first time in Canada. And I, I was, I think with Tim, I was explaining the difference between American kindness and Canadian kindness. Yeah. And I was saying that, that, uh, as North or as uh, Americans, um, We tend to have certain uh, levels. That we have to bear, you know, we have barricades. We bear, we secure ourselves, and people have to break that down before we are willing and and able to trust them. And so, while I have ex- received amazing kindness in the U.S., I, I want to put that out there. People have been wonderful. The conversation was always different. You know, I had to actually strike up conversation with them first, or they struck. You know, they would strike up conversation with me, and then after maybe five or ten minutes of conversation, then we were. On the subject of me possibly coming to their house to stay for the night or get a warm shower or meal, whereas in Canada, the very first I was vice, I just entered Can Canada, gotten off the ferry, and maybe ten minutes into my ride, um, because we had also uh, been in. Seattle or um, not Seattle, but uh, Washington, the peninsula previously. So I had run, I ran out of water um, on the ferry. And so I needed to get Fiji water. And I was, I saw a woman gardening and she was, uh, you know, uh, hose, she had a hose and she was watering her, her flowers. And so, you know, I just went and asked her, I said, it okay if I borrow your hose to fill up our water bottles. And she's like, no, come inside. I'll fill up your water bottles for you. and I'll, You can use my phone. Do you need to charge your phone or anything? And it it's just funny because there was really no conversation and she's inviting this stranger, this person she doesn't know, and her dog into her house. And that kind of happened across Canada where it didn't really take many much to break down that barricade that if they i mean some of some some Canadians of course you can't generalize people, some people did have uh barricades of where you had to break it down in order to to gain their trust, but for the most part, I had many instances going across Canada where all I had to do was say hi and I was already being offered a place to to stay. <laughs> So, so, uh, so yeah. Canada definitely was interesting in the fact that the kindness was just of a different breed. It was just different in the sense that it didn't take that initial conversation to gain their trust. It usually just took one word. <laughs> so uh, so I thought that was that was interesting and, and it was beautiful. But you know, I think there's also something to be said about the conversations that I had with people in the US as well, breaking and trying to gain their trust and them trying to see if they could trust me. Um, those were beautiful conversations as well. So um, but yeah that was one memorable moment. Even though I didn't stay at her house that night because I was going to a warm showers host, it was just interesting to me that that the, you know, after all this time, I, this different brand of kindness where all I had to say was, hi, can I borrow your host to fill up our water bottles? And I was already in her house. (laughs) You know, that was interesting.
1: (laughs) So speaking of not generalizing people... Uh, Do you think uh, that being a female and maybe also having a dogger with you kind of helped with uh, receiving kindness from people? Do you think that helped to make those barriers smaller or what do you think about that?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, But, you know, and I would like to say based on my own stereotypical ideas, yes, it helps to be a woman and it helps to definitely have a little dog that's cute with you. (laughs) But... (laughs) but uh but i I have talked to men who are touring, and they they say they experience the same kindness, so I'm not quite sure my stereotypical idea is is really true um because I've talked to many male tourists, and they've been invited into just as many homes as I have. Um, and they've, you know, they've shared the same experiences and we've reflected over those together. And so, um, so I think we have these ideas about people and how they perceive bad and good. And maybe they're not, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be in our, in our stereotypical minds. Right.
1: (laughs) On this North American tour, like, um, what were some of your favorite rides or your favorite stretches of road or places or whatever?
0: um you know <laughs> i i have many but i think one that stood out to me was um the prairies in canada so from alberta all the way to winnipeg Al- Al- manitoba i was gonna say alberta <laughs> but <laughs> winnipeg manitoba from alberta to Winni- winnipeg manitoba was just gorgeous i mean it's there's no mountains, there's no trees and forests. It's just flat. Well, I wouldn't say it's flat. It, it is hilly in some parts, but it's just this land of, of tall grass and canola uh, fields. The canola fields, and it's it's just this golden green color and the railroad landscapes where the railroad tracks are going through some of those fields and you can just see them going for miles and miles and miles. That is the most gorgeous thing to me. And I love taking pictures of those railroad tracks, just going off into the distance and until you couldn't see it anymore because of the limitation of of your eyes. But, you know, it's just, it's, that was really pretty. And, And that's also where I experienced my first um, encounter with the what people in Canada was calling it the national bird of Canada the mosquito. <laughs> so, and and I, you know, at first I thought to myself, well, no mosquitoes can be worse than the ones I experienced when I was bicycling on the C&O Canal tra- Trail from um Washington DC to Cumberland, Maryland. I said, "Oh, nothing can be worse than that." But as soon as I, I crossed the Saskatchewan line, um it was about five miles in and I saw this cloud. It was oh, a cloud of, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, dark cloud of flies. I thought it was flies. Those little lake flies, I don't know what you call them. I thought it was those things. And so I just cycled into it like normal. And all of a sudden I look down and I see mosquitoes all over my arms, all over my shoulders, all over my legs, all over Fiji. And I mean, I could not, I had never seen so many large, Mosquitoes in my life and uh and they were just in a quantity I mean it was the quantity and the- pers- persistence. they won't leave you alone they they and but you know what that's one of my fondest memories <laughs> I, I think back to those mosquitoes and how fast they made me pedal, and I got so much stronger because of. Them. <laughs> So thank you, National Bird of Canada, for making me a better cyclist.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, how long did that, like, last? How did you deal with this? Tell me.
0: what. Well, th- <laughs> thankfully, it was kind of, I guess, the end of their season. But um, it was about a good week that we were dealing with mosquitoes.
1: Oh, however, however, not that soon first... enough. The end of their season is, like, for a week.
0: Well the good thing is the that first night that I experienced those horrible mosquitoes, well, the funny thing is I, I found an, uh, another person that took me in and didn't even know me. And they let me sleep in their camper outside. And you could just hear the mosquitoes outside. That's all you could hear is bzzz, and then also some coyotes off in the distance. That's what you could hear. And then when I turned on the camper light, I looked up and mosquitoes were all on the root, the, the ceiling of the, of the camper. And so I said, okay, how am I supposed to sleep? So I started asking people, how do you live? How do you live in this environment? What do you do? And people were saying, Oh, we use a, you know, we use a, a bug repellent and stuff like that. And I said, well, they're, that's not working on me. I guess they they are used to the bug repellent and maybe you guys are immune to them. I don't know, but it's not working for me. So they said, well, there's some natural stuff like apple cider vinegar Um, maybe some garlic. So I got both of those things and I bought this big old thing of apple cider vinegar and I put garlic cloves inside of it and let it sit for a few hours so that it really get that nice garlic vinegar smell. And then I diluted it just a little bit with water and it was great because I could also put that on Fiji. You can't put insect repellent on, on your dog. So I was worried about how am I going to keep the, the the bugs, you know, the mosquitoes away from her. So it was great that I made this concoction because I just poured that all over her and me. We were sticky. We smelled horrible. But guess what? No mosquitoes messed with us. So I was fine. That's, <laughs> but yeah, that's are week we smelled like uh like caesar salad or, or vinaigrette salad or something <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's kind of it's not a bad thing i think there are there are worse things to smell like for a week it sounds like actually a really good solution i'm gonna may have to try that out this summer
0: yeah you're gonna have to try it out and you it's okay to smell like salad except for i will say it starts to smell more rancid throughout the, the day the uh, longer you have it on. <laughs>
1: um was that do you think that like dealing with the mosquitoes while you're just incredibly gifted with being able to look on the bright side um do you think that was also one of the hardest things or um and what other challenges do you feel like you encountered and conquered
0: um I think the for me the biggest challenge number one would be heels and then number two would be uh I would say those nights when we can't find a place to stay, that's pretty nerve wracking, you know, and sometimes I find myself on those nights wondering what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is so, (laughs) this is so stupid, you know, but then, you know, you experience kindness the next day and all is well again. So it's okay. But for me, hills, mountains, climbing mountains is requires tons of patience, tons of perseverance and fortitude. It teaches you so much climbing, up a steep slope for 45 miles will teach you so much about yourself. (laughs) And, uh, and for me, because I'm such a slow cyclist and I can't, I wasn't strong enough to pedal up that for 45 miles straight. So a lot of it, I was just walking. So it would take me sometimes 12 hours before I reached my destination because I spent, you know, half the day walking up, you know, a a mountain. (laughs) So, um, so that's that's very challenging but I also look back on that with some fondness. But yeah, during the moment I'm probably that person on the side of the road screaming wishing a pickup truck would pick me up, <laughs> you know. So, but um the, that that would be the most challenging stretches of where I've had to go through the mountains and for Canada that would have been British Columbia and uh, you start to get some hills in New Brunswick uh as well and Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is a little bit flatter um, or a little bit better, I should say, I wouldn't say flat, but you know, better than New Brunswick as far as hills go. And, uh, of course, Colorado mountains. And, and then you also have some hills on the East coast as well. I mean, it's just unavoidable wherever you go, there's going to be mountains and hills somewhere. (laughs) You're going to run into them at some point.
1: (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's I'm going to ask you a super loaded question and you can you can answer however you want. But you said it teaches you so much about yourself. What what do you think that um between the hills and this like the unavoidable obstacles that are within mm-hmm. this North American journey that you were on um and that still you chose to do it. What do you think you learned about yourself during the, uh-huh. the this past trip?
0: Well, it's, it's interesting because prior to starting this, I felt like a quitter. And one thing that this has all taught me then is that I'm not a quitter, (laughs) definitely not a quitter. And especially in the face of great obstacles. And, and these are, you know, imagine not knowing it's six o'clock, it's getting dark. You don't know where you're going to sleep for the night. You have your dog and a bicycle and no money to stay in a hotel and maybe not many camping options that can be pretty <laughs> it can be it can be hard to deal with especially in that moment and the fact that I didn't say okay I'm going to call my mom or call somebody to come and pick me up and I'm done with this and it taught me at least for myself you know I can't speak for everyone who does this sort of thing but for me it taught me that I'm not a quitter and I'm a very de- determined person and that it's up to me to to keep going and um and I try to m- apply that to the rest of my life, whether it not just be cycling but but violin you know if if I can climb that if I can climb that mountain, then of course I can play this scale on my violin a little bit easier you know what am i what am I fretting about why why quit something? so simple in 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 you know in the big picture of things so um so it's taught me that i'm i'm not a quitter like i once thought i was
1: (laughs) so jasmine i just saw that you traded in no traded in maybe isn't the word i just saw that you're changing out your your rig and your whole like actual vehicle setup why don't you tell me and listeners a little bit about what you're changing there
0: um, yeah, so uh, uh, I think most everyone knows by now who's listening that I play violin and that I've been learning along the way. So it's a big component of of this entire journey. Um, and unfortunately, while while I was riding the bicycle, I started to experience some elbow pain, and which became excruciating elbow pain and it was determined that it was because of the the pressure that I'm putting down on my arms for 12 15 sometimes 15 hours a day on the road um that was causing my elbows this pain and so for me I love violin you know that's my first love and while I have come to love cycling a lot as well it was, it was a no brainer for me that, okay, I have to make a change. I never thought about quitting. I just said, okay, I need to make a change. So, so what do I need to do? Do I need to walk around the world now? What's, you know, how can I, how, how can I overcome this, this new development, this new challenge? Um, so I started researching, you know, different ways to, to get around the world without using any type of motorized forms, um, of travel. And, um, and I found a recumbent trike, but I had actually talked to another woman who, who she is triking around the world. I talked to her several months back, but I didn't really think about it, um, until, until this moment, you know, <laughs> when I was experiencing this elbow pain. So I thought back to that and I researched the recumbent trike and that's going to be the option for me. So, um, thankfully I s- trikes, ICE trikes, um, is going to be helping me with getting one of their trikes. It's called the Ice Adventure HD. And it allows almost all recumbent trikes allow the the rider to lie back and pedal. So you're putting all of that Uh, Muscle efficiently into your legs to pedal as opposed to, you know, being upright all day. So, um, so that's great because it'll take the pressure off my elbows and I can still pedal. So I'm still cycling around the world, but now lying back on a recumbent trike, which is, which is awesome. And, um, and so I'll be getting one here shortly over the summer because I'm, I'm still working to pay for it. Um, so, but the, but the company's working with me and, and taking payments and things like that. So that's really nice. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I'll be getting one over the summer and hopefully still heading out towards Asia. Like it was my plan in August and continuing to bicycle through Asia, Europe, Africa, and then South America.
1: So, <laughs> Okay. Um are you still going to do the same trailer? Like is all your is your rig kind yep. of going to be set up like that still?
0: Yep. It's all going to be the same. I don't, you can thankfully transfer everything I had on my regular bike over to the recumbent trike. There's racks where you can put the panniers on, on it. There's actually a, a really interesting rack that you can put on the seat of the recumbent trike and the, the bags can actually be on your seat as well. So, so I might be getting those types of bags, um, with, with my trike. And then also there's a, um, there's a hitch uh, a hitch that can be customized for the recumbent trike and cycle tote which is the there are the that's the company that makes my trailer they're going to make a custom hitch for my new recumbent trike so that I can continue to, to use the cycle tote dog trailer because I truly love that trailer it's just it's just sturdy it's strong. It's powerful. I haven't had any, not, I've had mechanical problems with my bicycle, not many, which I love. I love my bicycle, but I, you know, I did have some breakdowns and some flat tires and chain problems and things like that. That trailer, I have had not a one problem in the whole time that I've had it. And it's, still, you know, going strong. So it's a really powerful trailer and it would have been very sad to me to have to switch, <laughs> switch out the trailer. So I'm glad I get to keep my dog trailer and paneers as usual. Um, the only thing will be different is I can't have a handlebar bag because there are no handlebars. It's all pedaling with your feet. So the pedals, you just have the pedals and nothing in front of you. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> um,
1: wow. That's awesome. That, uh, I trikes and that the s- folks at cycle tote are working with you to, you know, get you on that ride and then make sure that you can still use that. Um, yeah, I definitely am. I'm super interested in that because I'm literally at a place where we're like researching what, cause I want to bring my dog places. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, almost impulse bought something at the community cycling center. I'm like, no, we can't, this isn't the thing for us. Um, yeah. it's sunny out and we want to bring the dog places, but this isn't the thing for us. Let's just think about this for a minute. So um, cycle tote dog trailer sounds like it's getting some rave reviews from somebody who has definitely put it through its paces. Um, oh
0: yeah. You know, I, I love it. And it has, I mean, it has, there are some things I like about other trailers more, but the, what you get with the cycle tote is reliability, strength, durability, you know, and that that's super important to me. Everything else you can add on or customize yourself. Do it yourself DIY projects if you want to make the trailer more comfortable for your dog. Um, that's that's you know that's customizable or you know something you can do yourself. But the base, the foundation of the cycle trailer is so important. And for any trailer you're using, you wanna make sure the base, the foundation is going to uphold and last and be able to go over all terrain. For for, you know, when I was in Canada I did a trail called the Trans Canada Trail and many parts of that trail were not um they, they advertise it for cyclists, but it was not you could not bicycle on it with your your up with your bicycle because unless you had a mountain bike because it was gravel, it was big rocks and so I found myself going over these huge rocks and getting flat tires and things like that. But that trailer, no problems. <laughs> you know, if I could just ride the trailer by itself, you know, we would have gotten over the trail just fine, you know. So, so the trailer was was, was doing well on all terrain and and uh and on the road it rode, ro- you know, it rode very smoothly. So, um, and it still does and
1: and I'm excited to continue with it. <laughs> you know, What else is cool about the, the recumbent trike is that you're going to be more at Fiji height when she's like running alongside too.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I'm really interested to see because also I forgot to mention the other thing that I have to transfer over to the trike, which would be the, the leash attachment. Um, there isn't – usually the leash attachment ach- attaches to the seat post of the – of the upright bicycle, but there is no seat post with the recumbent trek. There are some bars that go under the seat and there are some bars that go, uh, above the seat or not above the seat, but, um, in the back of the seat and kind of attached to the rack. So it'll be interesting to see what I can do. Leash, attachment wise for that. But also the one thing that I, I liked about the upright bicycle is, um, you know, I had all of this control where if Fiji pulled a little to the side, I wouldn't fall over because of spring within the leash attachment. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it feels, how her pooling feels. Usually when she pulls on the upright, we we go forward. We do not go to the side, we go forward. And I'm pretty sure that'll still happen with the recumbent trike. But, I'm, but since I'm still getting used to this new position, (laughs) it'll be, it'll be rocky at first, which it was when I actually got on the upright bicycle, because when I first started riding with Fiji, I was a little wobbly. I was like, Oh my gosh, this feels so weird. So I'm guessing I'll have have that same, Oh my gosh, this is so weird feeling again with the recumbent trike as well (laughs) and
1: her on it. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be really curious to, to hear you reflect on how that's different because you, you know, the center of gravity is lower and with the trike, you're not just balanced on two wheels so you know yeah. there's lots of different variables there and I'm I'd be really curious to to know how that you know to hear how that works out yeah,
0: I'm really excited for it. It's slower, the recumbent trike, um it'll be slower for me, but it's a lot more efficient. I actually did do a test ride and I went up hills and I didn't even know I was going up a hill at some points. You know, I was like, "Oh wow, am I going up a hill?" because all my thighs, you know, my whole leg was involved in the pedaling. So so it was, you know, I'm really excited about that too because I already told you one of my biggest challenges is going up hills and mountains and stuff like that. So the fact that I'm using my strength more efficiently to pedal um, is, is exciting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe slower in some places, but if you're not walking, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. going up a hill and you're actually able to like stay on the bike and, or the trike and keep moving, um, at a faster than walking pace, then I'm sure it's going to end up evening itself out and you'll be more comfortable overall anyway. So that's right. Um, so we touched on this a a minute ago, but can you, and you just like kind of race through it too. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to trike around the world. Um, can you, (laughs) can you break down and tell us about your plans for the, for the future? And cause you're leaving not not too, not too far away, but, uh, tell tell me what you got planned on here. Um,
0: so right now I'm just trying to, uh, while I'm doing some odd jobs, I'm trying to monetize my story a little bit more. And, um, because I really want to focus when I get back on the road, I really want to focus on what I'm doing, which is practicing and playing music, um, biking or triking now. And, um, And just and writing my journal and writing my ebooks. So the best way that I can do that is is by turning that into my work and not having to do odd jobs. Nothing against odd jobs. It's doing odd jobs has led to the best stories and the best connections with people. And I'm actually going to miss taking on those jobs. You know, I, I met one woman at Trail City Bed and Breakfast in Coolidge, Kansas. She allowed me to stay in one of her bed and breakfast rooms for a couple of weeks while my bicycle was being repaired. Long story. And I got to wash dishes and make beds every morning. And then I had the rest of the day to myself. So so having those types of uh, jobs and things like that has been amazing. But the luxury of having time to focus more on on what I'm doing, um, which is also something that I look forward to so right now I'm trying to monetize my story um, really trying to focus on the musical aspect and sharing this that that music with people and those tips that I get from those musicians and then also writing keeping a better journal because I haven't been very good about that so I want to keep a better journal of what's happening on the road and um, you know and how people could Possibly benefit from from knowing what's happening on the road, at least in in our spectrum and our experience. Um, that's you know that's something I'm focusing on. I'm also putting on house concerts and and playing at farmers markets and things like that, busking and everything else in order to save up some extra funds for Asia and overseas in general. Because um, while I did leave without much money when I started my North America adventure, um, I I want to have at least a plane fare saved up, you know, for example, if my mom calls me and says something bad has happened, which, you know, cross fingers, knock on wood, something like that never happens. But in the event, I do have to come back to the US fast, I want to have money, I can say, okay, I can buy a plane fare home and get Fiji and all my stuff home efficiently. So, so that is something I've been thinking about. And so I'm working towards that. And um, I've been sending letters, and, and just trying to become more self-funded and offering something to the people who follow me um, and trying to figure out ways to, to not just do that, but also to give back. Um, I posted on my social media that I don't want to just, you know, cycle around the world or pedal around the world. I want to pedal around the world with purpose. And um, and so trying to find a way that I can make this purposeful in the sense of, of giving back to other peoples, whether it be through them watching the the encounters i have with musicians volunteering which i i plan on doing tons of volunteering i really when i get to asia i want to um Teach English to North Korean refugees, which there's a an organization that does that and facilitates that, so I'm really excited about that. There's also an organization in Greece that teaches music to um Syrian children refugees coming in from Syria. so you know I'm looking into all these amazing opportunities to give back to the communities that I'm in and um and and so that's a lot of what I'm thinking about and then of course, then you have to add in the logistics, which is planning out not so much my route but border requirements visa requirements and how long we can stay in each country we're in and when i'll have to renew visas and what paperwork fiji needs for and what shots she needs and what shots i need so you know it's a lot to think about in only a couple of months <laughs> Like
1: practically how do you organize that <laughs> like how are, like how are you are you do you have like are you keeping it in a spreadsheet somewhere do you have a notebook like no how are you actually no, doing that I,
0: I am the worst when it comes to planning, so I'm not quite sure how it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It just it just happens. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of the person that just does the I don't I try not to think of it too detailed wise. I try to just think of the overall picture. Okay, here's the big picture. I'm going to this country. I'm not going to think about each town and each city I'm going to be in at this time and this day, day one, I'm not that type of person. There's some people who plan day by day, day one, I'll be here and I'll cycle 20 miles and then I'll be there. And then I'll 50, you know, I'm not that type of planner. I just go as I go. For me, the big picture is, okay, I'm going to be in this country and I'm going to spend one month in this country. Somehow I need to get to the next border because I only have one month in this country. Somehow I need to get to the next border by so-and-so date and I need to have this paperwork and and they you know, that's that's kind of how I plan is by, you know, having just kind of a, a um, you know, a more I don't know how more bullet bullet points or an outline sort of deal of what I'm doing as opposed to a day by day sort of thing. So so that makes it a little bit easier for me. Um, but, yeah, I've never kept any spreadsheets or anything <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, so it's, it, the, the level of detail um, is probably something I'm betraying myself a little bit where I'm like, I start getting into these like really obscure things that just derail me. But oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a different I, conversation. Do
0: that. Well, yeah, don't do that because you can't even, you can't really plan for that. Something new is going to happen every day. I mean, you might be in the town and there's like a, a troop of, performing actors playing on the street and they invite you to come to dinner and then you stay overnight and and your plan of going to so-and-so city next is ruined for day two because you're doing so so planning and trying to stick to these plans is actually self-defeating because you're you're passing up on 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 opportunity, the, the amazing things that happen spontaneously while you're on the road. So, so I don't like to plan so specifically like that because I I think it, it, it's doing, you know, it's not doing myself any good to, to experience all that the, the world and maybe those towns and countries have to offer. Um,
1: can you give me a list of the, give me that rundown of the countries that you're planning on visiting with your next tour? If you have that, like framed out.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, well. I mean, I don't have each specific country yet. I know the continent, but uh, for some continents, it's not. It's not a. You know, there's not many countries that I plan on being in. Asia is one. It one of them. Um, and specifically because of dog or pet import rules, um, Fiji can't be in a lot of countries in Asia simply because of her breed. Unfortunately, she's uh, she's part. I just found this out too, so I'm a little. I'm like, oh man. You know, I I have. Nothing against American Staffordshire Terriers or Pit Bulls. I love those dogs. But for the purposes of travel, unfortunately, there's lots of countries that have breed-specific legislation, uh, BSL, and which is banning of particular breeds of dogs. And unfortunately, Pit Bulls and American Staffordshire Terriers or Pit Bull types are on that list. So it kind of scales back my... My I, my countries that I want to go through, and um, but I kind of knew it already. You know, Fiji has been mistaken for a pit bull a couple of times, and so I kind of thought, well, I better plan my list of countries based on not going to those countries because I would hate for a police officer or someone in charge of of you know enforcing that type of rule to mistake her for a pit bull like some people have done. So I had already. Really plan my route based on on not going to those types of countries, so for Asia, the countries that it looks like we can go to now are South Korea. Japan and Russia. There are other countries we can go to in Asia, such as Vietnam and things like that. But I'm trying to cut down plane and boat travel as much as possible. So from South Korea to Japan, it's just a short ferry ride. From Japan to Russia, it's a longer ferry ride. But if I jumped around and went to like South Korea, then to Taiwan and Vietnam and all these other countries, we would be on boats and planes and everything else. So, so in order to avoid that, I'm going South Korea, Japan, Russia. And then entering uh, Russia by road, or not entering Russia, entering Finland or Europe by road, and then um, from Finland going all over Europe. Uh, there's about four countries I can't enter in Europe due to the breed-specific legislation, um, and also due to quarantine. Even if she wasn't American Staffordshire, you know, terrier. There's some countries that have just insane quarantine laws. You know, I think for the UK, it's like almost they're almost 30 or 60 days in in quarantine, which is insane to keep your dog away from your, you know, its family for that long. Right. So so uh, we're we're not going to countries that have those types of quarantine laws, although (laughs) there it's interesting because if you spend a certain amount of time in in Europe, uh, in rabies controlled or rabies free countries, you can enter the UK. Um, without quarantine. But then, of course, I have the BSL, which Fiji, you know, so, so it's it's kind of all convoluted. But, but anyways, and then, uh, then we're going to Africa. And I haven't planned which specific countries in Africa yet. And then South America. And of course, that's another big country with many, many countries or another big continent with many c- countries. So I haven't planned all the specific countries um, yet. But, uh, but that's the, the basic
1: outline. You got your starting point there. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. <laughs> yep. Um, so a couple more questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So you said a few minutes ago that your that ICE trikes uh, is helping you out and you are still working to pay for it. Now, I know that you're into barter culture, um, mm-hmm. but I would love to ask listeners that if they're interested in. Helping to support this process for you, um, helping you to get on that trike, to continue to spread the violin love and the bike love, and get Fiji to explore. Um, what's the best way for someone to help if they want to make a financial contribution to your um, to your travel?
0: So, so like I said, I am into. I don't want to ask for money without giving something in return. I'm, I'm not totally. that I'm against crowdfunding or anything like that, but I just it's not for me. I don't do crowdfunding. Um, so so I do have I have been monetizing my story in the sense that now I want to offer some of the things that I experience on the road to people who choose to pay for it. And, you know, I work really hard on producing video. I work really hard on writing amidst having to also cycle and things like that, which, you know, that's my choice. I love it. But if someone feels that it's it's worth paying for, then that's beautiful. And if they want to pay for that, um, you know, those stories, which I'm working on a yearly ebook that I'll release, which kind of summarizes the whole year, has bonus stories and bonus photos, which I'll release every December or January um, and give to paid subscribers. Um, And then also just videos. I'm creating a video portal for different exclusive videos just available to patrons that keeps people updated about us on the road Um, so they can go to my website. And there's a, a menu item at the top called "Become a Patron," and they can donate the fifty dollars, or they can donate a amount of their choice. It could be less or more than that. So, um, so they can just go to feedjapan.com and click on "Become a Patron," and uh, and they can donate from there.
1: Cool. We will definitely link that up. Um, And you're on, you're on like all the socials where, how, how are people, how do people follow you if they're not specifically following you through the FejaPaw site? Yep.
0: Um, So, so the, there is one thing I would like to mention about that too. I have switched to email journals. So if people want to get a full detailed experience of where we are what we're doing what's happened uh being subscribed to our email list is really important for that however i still do also post regularly on my social media so we're on facebook fiji official we're on instagram @fij- at we're on twitter at fiji And I'm on YouTube. It's not Feejapaw. It's actually Violin Fanatic. Um, But uh, because I've had that username for years and I don't want to change it. So so hopefully people can find us on YouTube at Violin Fanatic.
1: That's awesome. Uh, All right. All right. All right. All right. Where where am I going? Where am I going? Because I think I might only do I only have one more for you. I just want to talk to you forever. I just want to talk to you, Jasmine. I want to hear all your stories. I want to get into some stupid levels of detail. And yet... Um, I want to talk to you I just, I just want to talk to you about your bicycle adventures. Um, but no, I... You know, you know,
0: my Kona, if anybody wants a bicycle with lots of stories, although it probably can't talk to you, but that's okay. You can look at it and maybe imagine the stories. Uh, my, I am trying to sell my Kona Sutra. And, uh, so if anybody wants that, that's fine. If I don't sell it before I leave, then I'm going to donate it anyways, to, um, you know, any type of program that caters to underserved children or needs bicycle and bicycle parts for any type of programs that gets people on bicycles. So, um, if I can't sell it, then that's where it's
1: going. So if you want it, contact me before I donate it. (laughs) Um, so speaking of maybe wanting your bicycle, (laughs) do you know what, um, and if you're, if you're willing, uh, do you know what you're asking? Well, and also like what size the bike is for anyone who might be interested uh, like myself?
0: yep so it's a Kona Sutra touring bicycle. It's a medium large, so I would say anyone between five six and five ten should be riding it um and then of course you can make adjustments to the seat post and the bar for, um, or the seat post and the handlebars for, you know, more, um, suitable fitting, which you have to go to a bicycle shop for uh, further adjustment, but height wise, it's a medium, large, so five, six to five ten. Um, and then I'm asking right now I'm asking a thousand for it, but someone told me that might be overdoing it since they depreciate in value as you are going over, uh, around, you know, as you're riding it. So, um, but the a thousand dollars does does include i have two ortlib ortlib um panniers uh, front panniers that i'm getting rid of and i'm also giving it a tune-up so that price includes all of that um but if someone wants to make an offer for less then that's fine too because it's just like i said it's just going to be donated in
1: the end so <laughs> and are, does it have the uh the pads the cantilever uh the rim brakes i guess is what i'm asking for or it has
0: is... a disc brake. a oh,
1: disc brakes all right cool
0: Yep, disc brakes and um it has it comes with the rack and a Brooks saddle. Um and I you know, and I don't think I need my Ortlieb hand handlebar um bag anymore. So that'll come with it as well.
1: I'm gonna launch a crowdfunding campaign to buy your bike. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm gonna see>. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> Listeners I need Jasmine's bike. Um I love I actually I love my bike. It is it is slightly too small for me, and I am like uh, would love to make some adjustments to the stem and to the seat post or whatever and just see if I can fine tune it but to be honest with you it's actually like just i think it's just a little too small for me and yeah. i've been and i do you know, i do want
0: to make a i do want to make a, a point about that for everyone because i i, I just because I'm switching to a trike doesn't mean I hate upright bicycles. I hope that didn't come across at all in this interview. I love my Kona. It has served me very well. If not for this bicycle, I would not have gotten as far. Um, It's the only bike that i I could find that would fit my you know when I when I first left I was really concerned with my size because I'm a bigger woman and so I thought every bicycle I rode would break under the pressure and a Kona, this Kona has rode smoothly under my pressure and and has had very little mechanical problems you know and and the mechanical problems that it's had has been normal was, you know you're riding it 15 hours a day and I I was bad about getting it checked out. So it would, you know, the chain would, would, uh, you know, wear a little bit and I have to lubricate the chain or the brakes, things like that. So I got the brakes and the chain fixed and, and the frame of this bicycle is just amazing. The wheels on the bicycle, I have marathon plus tires on it. Um, the rack, everything is held up so well. Amidst, you know, amidst all the, all that I've put it through and it's just a great bike and I'm, I'm sad that I can't ride it anymore, but, but you know, violin takes precedence over, over the bicycle and be and it's not because of. You know, I think there's many factors. Everyone's body is different. So I don't want people thinking that, oh, I'm riding an upright bicycle. I'm going to start having problems with my elbows and things like that. There's many factors as to why I started to have elbow problems. One of them is because of my weight. You know, I'm a larger girl and I have, you know, a big chest. I have big chest and all of that weight was pressing down into the handlebars into my joints into my wrists into my elbows and uh, causing you know these this inf- this inflammation and and my bones to be rubbing together in a way that's not uh, conducive for a violinist so um so just a disclaimer out there that i have nothing against upright bicycles everyone's body is different and just because you're riding an upright b- bicycle doesn't mean you're going to fall apart <laughs>
1: so keep riding your uprights (laughs) you know i think actually jasmine that's a really great point because um i think a lot of folks aren't familiar with recumbent bikes but the fact is is that they're just better for some people they're better for depending on like what your actual structure is like and what your personal you know your your body and your geometry and all this stuff um you know there are lots of different things especially like people who have Back injuries um, or tail mm. tailbone problems where the, the saddle is a problem. And I don't I don't know a ton about it. I don't profess to. But I yeah. guess the point is, is that if you are riding an upright bicycle and it maybe fits okay, but it still is just not okay, uh, you know, a trike or a recumbent, because trike means three wheels, not every, yeah. you know, it's like apples and oranges yeah, and fruit, exactly. right? <laughs> so, you know, a recumbent exactly. bicycle or a recumbent trike could be uh, a good option for somebody who is like, you know, aging or has different body geometry issues. That's the upright's a problem for them.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I would say the trike is for is for everyone because there's even race brands. So if you want to get into road racing and things like that, say you're a tria- triathletic or a triathlete or or whatever, and the bicycle upright bicycles just not working out for you, there are race recumbents, you know, so, so the recumbent can be for everyone. But yeah, if you are experiencing any pain or, or or problems with your body, and you feel like your bicycle is probably contributing to those due to your, you know, your body, your anatomy, and things like that, then then don't give up The, the recumbents are a great alternative. And they're, they're not just an alternative, they're actually a great bike as well. So, you know, just know that there are options. If you are considering touring on touring, um, you should look into a recumbent as well as an upright for any reason, even if you aren't experiencing pain, but it it is good to note that the recumbents have been great for the disabled community, people who, who can't ride a traditional bike. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that is a good point to mention that it has been great for people with those specific problems.
1: And I'm gonna go one step further because I just had this. I had this thought, um, which is that the recumbent riders, in from my outsider's point of view, they really love their recumbent bikes, and they're it's <laughs> almost like there's almost like a cult like. It's like tandem yeah. riders, right? And so, if someone is interested in exploring recumbents um, and doesn't really know where to start. There are probably in your general area, there's probably a group of recumbent riders already who have already formed because they are like, you know, VW Vanagon owners. They just like, they connect with each other. You could probably uh-huh. infiltrate that group listeners and uh, cause they would probably like, you know, hang out and take a test ride because they want to oh, bring more yeah. people into their recumbent fold. So um.
0: it, yeah, and people and people might actually ask, you know, Jasmine, why aren't you searching for used, uh, you know, trike or used recumbent or anything like that? Uh, because people love their recumbents, and it is hard to find one that someone is selling. Oh, that's I interesting. mean. Yeah. I mean, people really don't get rid of their recumbents. They, they don't at all. And so, you know, t- I did see some used ones, but I'd have to tra- travel miles and miles just to go and pick it up or, or it'd have to be shipped, which costs money, you know? So, um, so my best bet was to just buy a new one. And even when they are reselling them, they're still pretty expensive. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so I am, I am buying one outright, but I'm happy to buy one outright because, you know, I want to get a, a start with a, a new a new trike and and it be all mine and have only my history and Fiji's history on it. So that's good.
1: Good vibes only. <laughs> good vibes only. All right, Jasmine. I'm gonna. I have one final question for you. I'm so appreciative of your time. So I'm, I'm gonna have one more question for you and we'll, to wrap it up. Um, okay, you, you can I,
0: ask another if you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we just keep talking
1: about bicycles? Um, we'll just talk. To- the night this will be
0: the marathon joyride podcast let's do it <laughs> I'm getting
1: longer um this is the century version of the joyride uh you have said or wrote or something uh you said you have to lose something to gain something valuable um oh yeah what do you feel like you have and this was in the context of the you know your your vagabond, uh, cycling violin life, um, what do you feel like you've lost and what do you feel like you've gained?
0: Uh, well, you know, I think I meant that not just from being on the road, but prior, you know, I, I dropped out of college. I quit violin. I gave up so many parts of myself, um, that, you know, it, it was a rough time and, and, and then this, the birth of this new, this new life came out of that. But even while I was on the bicycle, I had moments where I felt lost and, and, you know, I, gave up a lot to, to bicycle. I, I gave up my job. I gave up my, you know, my job. I wasn't getting paid monster bucks. You know, I'm I'm not like that person who gave up, you know, their, their job on wall street or whatever to go and bicycle around the world. I, I wasn't making that type of money, but I was making enough to feel at least secure and have a nice little apartment to myself and be able to pay my monthly electricity and everything bills. So, so, you know, I gave up that, that job. I gave up the, 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 the apartment. So the security of having shelter and, and, and so I, I was giving up these, these, um uh, these material things, but at the same time, I was also giving up a part of who I was. And it wasn't a good part. But when you when you actually give up any part of yourself, whether it be a negative or a positive, if it hurts, no matter what, because you're letting go of piece, a piece of who you are, even if it isn't a good part. So I was giving up this insecurity, this within myself, this self-doubt, this fear. I was letting go of all of that. And believe it or or not, even though I was letting go of those negative emotions for some reason, I was still trying to hold on to them, and it was creating this clash while I was on the road, so I went through homesickness, I went through self doubt even still saying, "Oh, did I really do the right thing and you know I had to think to myself, "Well, what was I experiencing at home that i 'm not experiencing on the road or you know or vice versa what what you know what 's different uh, well what 's different is now I have freedoms, I was still struggling at home. You know, it's not like I was wasn't struggling there or anywhere, you know, at least now I'm struggling and I'm on the road, you know. And and then I also had to think to myself, what was I really happy when I was settled somewhere? No, most days I was pretty sad, and then there were moments of happiness where now, when I'm on the road, I'm mostly happy and there's moments of sadness and so i mean what's what's the trade off so you you give up these these pieces of yourself that you're ingrained to to feel like you have to meet and and whether that be being that citizen of society you know having a job and a nine to five and um you know being in a in a position in society that makes you seem prestigious or whatever the case may be uh going going to school and, and you know getting your degree things like that those are all good things i don't want anybody just i don't want to people to seem like i'm saying that that's bad but sometimes we make people feel horrible when when they don't meet that standard and so you know I had to let go of those feelings when I hit the road and and eventually it became it felt so good <laughs> to finally realize that it it felt good to let go of that you know to let go of that person that I was that def- that person that felt defeated and like a failure it felt good to let go of that and it felt good to not have that guilt associated with living a, bo- a life that wasn't Everyone else's idea. You know, um, you go through that guilt, that depression, like uh, I'm not doing what everyone else wants me to do, and um, and that's you know that's not a good feeling to have. But once you realize that you're happier not doing what everyone else wants you to do, it, it becomes freeing. So, um, so I'm excited that I finally reached that point in my life where I don't feel guilty for being who I am and for accomplishing what I'm accomplishing, even if it doesn't fit the the regular narrative of of what society wants people to accomplish in their lives so um i'm really excited about that <laughs>
1: um jasmine i'm so excited to get to talk with you again um it's been far too long uh but hopefully i don't know <laughs> I, I, maybe maybe we can make it not another year but who knows you're you have big you have big plans girl and i am um super excited to watch them unfold as per usual you're like my shiro it's awesome.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be on the Joyride podcast again. I'm so happy with your podcast and how many people it's benefiting and everything you're doing. So keep doing you. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for saying that. I really do appreciate it. All right. Um, I would high five you if I could right now. But since I can't, I guess we're just I guess we're just, <laughs> just going to go out. Thanks a lot, Jasmine. It was really a pleasure. Big thanks to Jasmine for spending some time with us. And joyriders, can you believe I forgot to ask her about bike snacks? Oh well, I guess it's a great excuse to invite her back again. Please connect with Jasmine on your social network of choice. Subscribe up to her site to get the very latest and find out where in the world Jasmine and Fiji might be or to throw her some support if you've got an extra buck and you like what kind of amazing, um, creative, Positive, vibrant energy Jasmine's putting out into the world. I know I sure do. Also, if you are not already, please follow The Joyride on Instagram at The Joyride Podcast. It is my favorite. Instagram is my very favorite of all the socials. I would love it if you'd tag the show, uh, The Joyride Podcast, there if you are going on a first-time bike adventure, or please take a selfie wherever you are if you're listening to the show, as long as it's safe to do so. uh, Take a selfie of whatever you're doing and tag The Joyride Podcast in it, especially if you are rocking a cool cap, because I am totes jelly of all your badass cycling caps. I need them. Bring them to me. Friends, shoot me an email with any questions, your thoughts, feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your crucial snack ideas. Uh, shoot me an email at thejoyridepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you'd like to nominate a friend who you think would be a good fit, go over to bit.ly that's B-I-T forward slash joyrideguest and make an introduction. And of course, I would adore you forever if you took a moment to leave a rating or a review in iTunes. Um, reviews and ratings do help to spread the bike love, and I read out five-star reviews on the show, so please leave me a five-star review and let me express your words into the earholes of tens of dozens of listeners and ratings and reviews are awesome and they make me feel super good, but nothing is as meaningful as a personal recommendation. So if you want to share out what Jasmine's doing, if you think you have a friend, even just one friend who you think might dig it, please go ahead and tap on your mobile device if that's how you're listening and share the show with even just one friend who you think might benefit from some bike love inspiration. As always, friends, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember... Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride.